pursuing relationship on purpose. One of the things that our father wants is us become one. I want to do what pleases my father. We don't have to be instantly mature in everything to be loved. You got the love of God, you got the holiness of God. You got to marry the two because that's who and what God is. This is the Encounter Culture Podcast. Welcome to the Encounter Culture Podcast. I'm Josh Cote, your host, and today we are pursuing relationship on purpose yet again, and I have a wonderful surprise for you. It's a mystery guest. I can't divulge his information because he is doing some undercover missions all over the world, but we're able to talk to him today and hear some stories of going into the Middle East, going into closed countries, and sharing the gospel. Having lived in a Middle Eastern country for two years back in the late 90s, I understand the Muslim culture and have experienced it firsthand. But one thing that I do understand about those communities is they're very family-oriented, so much so that they embrace the community around them as part of their family. And we'll talk a little bit more about that today in our discussion with our mystery guest. But I do want to just kind of push that out there and make it available for your own heart to grasp a hold of it and say, you know what, I am going to embrace my community as part of my family. You know, God is in the family business. It was that way from the start. He created a son and a daughter, and he wanted many, many, many children. He said, go forth, be fruitful, and multiply. But not just that they would multiply after their own kind, but they would multiply after the God kind. Because that son that was formed from the earth and that daughter that was formed from the fullness of God in that man carried the very image and nature of God. They were the God kind. And that, more so than just having children, was really the heart of our Father to reproduce the glory of God across the face of the earth. And when self entered the picture and began to serve something other than, that thing got twisted, perverted, and inward. We no longer lived out toward one another and for one another. We began to live for ourselves. And really, that's the issue, self They became aware of themselves, realized they were naked and were ashamed. You know, Jesus said, if any man come after me, it's not just that they follow him, but come after him. Do as he has done. Replicate the life that Jesus lived. Be a representation, a representation of our Father in heaven. The first thing that they must do is deny themselves. Take up their cross. Be willing to do the hard work for the mission. And then they're following Jesus. They're following in his footsteps. They're doing what he did. And as he said with his own mouth, I don't do anything that I don't see the Father doing. I don't say anything that I don't see the Father saying. He said to Philip, when you've seen me, Philip, you've seen the Father. And that should be our attitude as well. We should replicate the Father's character and nature. Jesus has bought back the image of God. He redeemed that which was lost the image of our Father, and He's given it back to us, and the ability to understand, to agree with, to apply, and declare the glory of our Father, His nature and His character in and through our lives. And that is an outward life, a giving life, a life-giving spirit. 
And so as we give that life to everyone around us, everyone in our sphere of influence, we create family. Bill Johnson once said, revival looks like healthy family. And I love that because God didn't just send a messenger or someone that represented him who came on his behalf endued with authority. He sent his own son. He put his seed into a woman and he became like us, flesh and blood. He really, really cares about family. He cares about creating his own family. In fact, according to Jesus, blood isn't necessarily thicker than water because he heard that his mother and his brothers were in town and he said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Those that do the will of my father. The ones that look like my father. Those are my real family. Jesus had such a deeper understanding of family and he's given that understanding to us so that we can walk in it. So many are out there looking out for number one. And Jesus says, in order to be number one, you have to be the last. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Humility is not just something that we put on. It's something that we master. It's something that we embrace and we practice. I see the character and nature of God in my guest today. And I'm really looking forward to sitting down with him, sharing some stories about where he's been, what he's been doing. And he's a young man. He's full of life. He's full of Holy Spirit. And when I come back, we're going to be sitting down and talking to my mystery guest today, right here on the Encounter Culture Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Encounter Culture is more than just a podcast. It's a community movement of pursuing relationship on purpose. We steward this movement with Encounter, points of contact where believers can come together and build relationships through community conferences, incense rising, 24 hours of expression and encounter, house fires, regional gatherings in homes, extended living room worship, and family-style ministry. We also steward it through culture, like this podcast, with weekly vision casting, stewarding the heart of our region, inspiring and giving resources. Echo, the publishing arm of Encounter Culture, producing a regional sound, songwriting sessions, recording and distribution projects, and through treasure hunts, monthly regional outreach, activation in ministry, prophecy, and evangelism. One of the best ways to connect and become involved is to sign up for our monthly newsletter. Check out our upcoming events and find out how we can pursue relationship together on purpose at EncounterCulture.us. This is the Encounter Culture Podcast. Welcome back to the Encounter Culture Podcast, where we pursue relationship on purpose. Today in the studio with me, I'm fortunate enough to sit down with a mystery guest. I can't divulge his name because he's in and out of closed countries and doing mission work in the Middle East. And so we're just keeping everything on wraps. But we do get to hear some stories that you've you've had over the last few years, just uh, really even before that, you've been all over the world. You've been a missionary's kid. You've been in, in Mexico and Central America, South America, and then more recently, Africa, Middle East, all over the place. Tell yeah. us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing now. Uh, well, it's it's great to be here. It's my first podcast I've ever been on, so new experience for all of us. Uh, I grew up 
as a missionary kid when i was 11 we moved to the mission field and we've spent the last seven years on the mission field so i kind of grew up as a missionary i speak spanish some other background my, my grandpa was a pastor so it's kind of like being a pastor's kid but not as severe i suppose <laughs> <laughs> my parents have always worked in the, the spanish-speaking world as missionaries but when we first went on the mission field i had a burden for the 1040 window and if you don't know what that is it's a geographical window that kind of has to deal with north africa southeast asia you got indonesia in there it's where most of the unreached people groups are and when i mean unreached i mean unreached with the gospel so i grew up probably from the time i was 11 just having a large burden for the 1040 window and for the longest time i thought i'd go to asia but about two years ago i was hearing another podcast and there's a guy talking about his work in the middle east and my heart just really burned inside me i was like I think I could work in the Middle East. I think that might be where the Lord's calling me. And so from there, my dad, he's really good at it, but he got me in contact with the people working there. So at the beginning of last year, 2022, I went to one of the countries in the Middle East and I did a mission school there for about five months. And on that mission school, I did, a, there's another part of it where you go out and you share the gospel. And I went to two other Middle Eastern countries. One of the two is a very, very closed country to the gospel. Very, so we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, we'll talk about it, but sure, I can't but, mention yeah. names. Yeah, no, no technicalities. No. Yeah. Tell me about that experience. Tell me what was that like and who were you with and All right. what kind of relationships did you build through that? I was with a missions organization that really believes in sending out young missionaries. Because a lot of missions organizations believe in like having missionaries go through seminary, and this organization really believes in seeing them out, you know, pretty quickly. So I was in a very safe environment. The first three months of my experience, I learned a lot just about the Lord, just His character and His nature, and how to pursue a relationship. And I was learning along with some Middle Easterners, some people from the Middle East, and there's a girl in particular. She's from a very, very intense Middle Eastern country. And she told me one day, she's like, you know, if the government were to find me and realize that I was a Christian, they would probably kill me. And she said that with a smile on her face. And I was like, <laughs> uh, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> um, so that was my Middle Eastern experience. A lot of it was just being able to learn about the Lord alongside of these people that have really surrendered everything to follow Jesus. It was amazing just to watch how they worshipped or how they related to God, just because it's so different when your life's on the line, really. I don't know if you know this about me, but I spent two years in Turkey, which is just barely inside the 1040 window. There you go. And uh, we got to plant churches, which was completely oh, illegal. Awesome. <laughs> and going to underground churches, and it was intense. It's it was intense. It was a lot of fun, too. It uh, is. But share with me maybe some of the stories. I remember one story in particular where you were to take um, some uh, thumb drives or something like that. Yes. Tell me that story. Um, so... I had like a hundred SD cards with the Jesus movie on it in any kind of language you wanted, which was amazing. And I actually smuggled those into that country we mentioned earlier that is really intensely against the gospel. And that was an interesting experience. Like we before we went, like my leader was like, Here, here's some SD cards with the Jesus movie on it, and here's the audio Bible. 
and you just pray and ask the Lord if he wants you to bring anything, you know, bring how many the Lord wants you to bring. Well, my dad has always encouraged me to read missionary books, so I grew up reading about Brother Andrew. If yeah. you don't know who that That's is, he, he, he smuggled Bibles in the Iron Curtain during um, the Soviet Union, so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a, a Bible smuggling experience. So instead of bringing two or three little SD cards and then kind of hiding them, I just unload the bag of like a hundred SD cards and just <laughs> shove them in my, my backpack. And then I take some of the audio Bibles and I put them in there and just like, well, if I'm going to get deported for smuggling stuff in, I'm not going to do it for two or three. I'm going to earn this deportation. We landed in that country and at first I started to get nervous. We were going through customs and I was starting to get even more nervous. And then I get my backpack off the conveyor belt and we're going to the exit of the airport. I'm like, all right, so at some point there's going to be a security check and we go into this arch. My companion's backpack beeps. Now we're going, oh gosh, what is it? But he didn't have any SD cards in his, so he was safe. And we just kind of walked out the airport. So I definitely felt the Lord's protection, but the blood pressure was going. It was, I was definitely, there was some prayer there. There was a lot of prayer there. And you were able to put the Bible of the Jesus movie into Into the hands of the folks there in that close country. Yes, so there was an underground church that we were working with. And we gave them all these SD cards with the Jesus movie. And there was an older gentleman there, and he is from another really intense Middle Eastern country, and he doesn't see very well, so he couldn't read the Bible. So we actually gave him one of the audio Bibles that we brought in. So that was really, really wonderful to see. Just bless my heart. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, growing up, uh, GPK and GP, yeah. Grand, yeah. I don't know, Pastor, <laughs> Grand Pastor. There kid. you go, grandpaster. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a kid of worship leaders, you're a kid of missionaries. You know, you have a relationship with your family, mm-hmm. and then you've also grown into a young man learning how to do relationships, watching, you know, those that have gone before you and led by example. Mm-hmm. What's your takeaway in how to really steward relationship well? I think I could say relationships are important, but that would just be like the the description of this podcast. Relationships are important, but (laughs) I realize how amazing and important they are. As a kid, you're always just watching your parents, especially when you're in Mexico, you're isolated, your parents are the only people that speak your language, and in the early days of us ministering in Mexico, we really didn't realize the importance of relationship in general. So there were things that we would do and we would accidentally offend people. And it was purely accidental. So for example, in the Mexican culture, when you enter a room and there's people you haven't seen in a little while, you greet every person. But what we didn't know is you have to say goodbye to every person as well. But what we would do, we would just leave. So everyone in that room thought we were just offended with them. And it took us a long time to realize how important the relationship was in that culture we were working with. Until finally, my parents came up with a saying, drop everything for relationship. If you're, My Beautiful. dad was building bunk beds in our front yard for our volunteers that were coming. And people would come and start talking with him, and he would have to stop building because he would know in order to spread the goodness of God and the kingdom to that person in particular, he would have to drop what he was doing and engage in conversation with that person because it's part of the relationship. And how can we as missionaries be good carriers of a kingdom if we 
just ignore that. Yeah. We've got a lot of friends down in Central America, El Salvador specifically. Mm -hmm. And just recently, one of our friends from El Salvador and his wife have moved to Joplin. And they're serving in our local gathering place, and they're doing a great job. But we went somewhere the other day to go pray for someone, and we're driving in the car, and he said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, you people don't say goodbye. Uh Uh-huh. And I said, what do you mean? (laughs) <laughs> and he said, well, you know, you come into the room, you say hello, but you don't say goodbye. Well, you just leave. And should I be offended? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> no, don't be offended. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a Latin cultural it thing is. for sure. Yeah, for example, we, me and my mom, we were just at a church last Sunday, and we were eating at this pastor's house. And this pastor had his whole family there. There was probably 30 people there. And then we're noticing that people are just walking out the door without saying goodbye. And me and mom are just like, wow, that is so rude. And then we realize, <laughs> oh my goodness, that's our culture. We don't say goodbye. It's fine. There's, it's not rude. It's fine. But it's very Latin culture. And I love it. I'm not sure if it's Middle Eastern culture or not. I think Middle Eastern are, or our relationship oriented so it might be a thing but i'm not sure about it it's different they're a little more honoring of the guest Mm -hmm. than maybe in latin culture we had a gardener (laughs) and he loved to come and he planted roses and everything else but he invited me to his home in adana turkey and Uh so we went to go have lunch at his house and he brought out all this chicken and all this lamb and he cooked it a little bit at a time on this little tiny rectangular hibachi grill all morning long and we sat there and talked and told stories and while he was cooking all the meat and the ladies were inside and they were cutting up all the vegetables and making salads and tomatoes and cucumbers and oh just olive oil and wonderful and then they just piled the blankets up in the middle of the room i'm probably 30 40 blankets they made this huge like mound in the middle (laughs) of the living room we all came in and sat in a big circle around this big mound they put the big tray out and they had all the shish kebab and the everything was just it looked wonderful big old spread for us and then they all just sat there and stared at us (laughs) and uh, i'm like do we pray because it's it's muslim (laughs) country i don't know what what do we do right now you know and uh, so are we waiting for the minarets to come (laughs) on what's going on and so faretin says eat and i said well we we could all eat he goes no 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 you eat first they all sat there and watched us eat. We had to clean our plates. We had to finish eating everything on our plate. And then everybody else ate. And that was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever, oh, I'm, I can't I've ever experienced. But yeah, culturally, they're very honoring. They're very hospitable people. Yes. Yeah. Where I was, I wasn't in Turkey, so I don't know if it was like that. But it was tea. It was tea oh, all the time. Try you, yeah. you want tea? You want tea? Here's tea. Here's in the little tea. glass. In the little glass. Yeah. And like they had the black tea. You just poured it straight in, and yeah. it's like an espresso. Just yeah, it's intense. Yeah. yeah. But I love the Middle Eastern culture, and I actually I have a too. story that when we were talking about relationships, a very Middle Eastern thing. I was on an airplane flying from one Middle Eastern country to another. And we were in the terminal about to go on the airplane, and there's a kid that's just ear-piercing, screaming his lungs out. Everyone's thinking the same thing. Please don't let him be in my row. Well, he was by me. He was two rows in front of me. And this kid is screaming and screaming and screaming. And we saw a man in the row between us get up. He was a total stranger, and he lifted that kid, and he brought him to the door of the airplane so he could look around and just 
kind of sued the kid a bit. And he can kind of quit screaming. He was yelling now. And then when the door closed to the aircraft, he had to put him back with his mom. And the kid started screaming again. And then five people at the same time just said, hey, bring your kid over to, to our kid and have him play with us. I didn't understand. It was all in Arabic, so I didn't understand it. But my, my buddy translated. And it was so beautiful to see how it was just this community. And they just cared about this kid and how they wanted to be happy. And it really blessed my heart. In fact, when I was leaving at the very end of my trip, I was in the airport. And I remember that. I, I almost started crying as I was leaving. It was... Just this white guy crying in the eye, in the line. At, <laughs> anyway, but I, I love that story, and I always remember it. It's just like, that is what I love about the Middle East, just their, their caring culture. You know, we really are locking arms with Lilac missions and taking missions teams down to Central America. We're taking a trip to Norway later this year. We're taking a youth trip to Central America this summer. All right. But our heart is missions, and what you see is, in America, relationships are done differently than in other cultures. And you see that in the Middle East, you see that in Latin countries, where the community is family, mm-hmm. that they really embrace one another as family. They they don't feel like it's imposing to step across the aisle and pick up somebody's kid right. like you're talking about. It's really, what can I do to help? Mm-hmm. How can I be hospitable? How can I give of myself? And really, that's the conversation I want to have. I want to have that conversation with my fellow citizens. There you How go. can we yep. be more of a family? Uh-huh. You know, and uh, especially in the church. I just appreciate you coming on and sharing your stories with us. It's a pleasure to be here. Love you, man. Thank you. Love you, too. What an honor it is to have this mystery guest on our program today. And uh, just really enjoyed hearing his heart and sharing the common ground that we both had there in the Middle East. Such a treat. And I hope you enjoyed it as well. A few weeks ago, I went through a class called The Color Code with Van and Tammy Benson of Motive Matters. What a dynamic couple. They've been doing this for 17 years. And if you've taken the color code, you know what I'm talking about. It really shows us what our motive is, what we're motivated by. There's four colors of different personalities that are motivated by different things. And then there's the fifth color. And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, next week as Van and Tammy Benson will be right here on the Encounter Culture Podcast. I can't wait to see you then. Have a great week.